If you enjoy these podcasts, check out Enrico Signoretti's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com. They're about data storage and cloud computing, addressing all the topics covered in Voices in Data Storage. Welcome, everybody, to Voices in Data Storage, brought to you by Gigaon. I'm your host, Enrico Signoretti, and today we will talk about uh, uh, data security in, uh, in the storage system. This is a very, very interesting topic. I met with uh, uh, the guy that uh, I will introduce you in, in a few seconds, and we had a very nice uh, uh, chat around uh, uh, data storage and security, uh, a different way of thinking about it, a different way about uh, thinking uh, security in general. So I invited him uh, because there are a lot of threats today, cyber attacks, ransomware, and also security, uh, if you think about it as a, you know uh, the need for compliance. So in, in Europe, we have GDPR, but actually a lot of... Uh, other countries are thinking about similar uh, kind of regulations. So uh, I think it's a very, very hot topic at the moment. Uh, so with me today, Eric Bernasch, CEO and co-founder of uh, Rectop System. Hi, Eric. How are you? Hi, Enrico. Thank you very much for having me here. As I told uh, at the beginning of the show, uh, you have a great curriculum and uh, you founded a, a company uh, because you saw a need uh, in uh, uh, around uh, data storage security. So why don't we start with a little bit of the ground about you and your company? Uh, my background is predominantly in um, the data security world. I spent the majority of my career um, in uh, uh, national intelligence and protecting data um, from that perspective. And, and it, it gives you a really interesting uh, view on how uh, data and data security um, are very intrinsically tied together. Um, and it was those experiences that really uh, led myself and my co-founder to start uh, Racktop, which is uh, focused on what we call the cyber-converged data security market, which merges high-performance data storage uh, with advanced security and compliance capabilities uh, so that you can really solve the problem of data security uh, right where the data lives. So if we look at uh, uh, data security, we have already so many layers. Okay, we have firewalls, we have uh, you know uh, security at the application level. Why do we need another layer, another complexity in, in the stack? Well, if you think about... Um, Security in general has largely been focused on the network, like you like you said. Um, but the data itself, which is the most critical component, and that's what you're really trying to protect, um, is in the core of the data center. And when it's sitting in our data storage systems, uh, it, it's sort of in, in where uh, you know what we would traditionally think of as the uh, you know sort of the safe zone, and. The reality is, is that there, there are no safe zones anymore. Um, there are uh, very sophisticated uh, hackers uh, and attacks that can get beyond firewalls. We have a lot of end users within our network who aren't necessarily trusted anymore. Uh, we have technologies like IoT, where you have sensors that are built into devices that are not even uh, humans, but can be used as attack factors to steal data. Uh, and so when you think about all of that happening within the enterprise, you can't really think about data 
uh, data storage as being in a trusted part of the data center anymore. And so to really complete that security picture, you must move the data protections, you must move data security directly uh, onto the data or as close to the data as possible so that you can uh, complete that security ecosystem. But what are the characteristics of a system that you can consider consider secure? Well, there are a number of things, right? Security is implemented in layers, and uh, you want those multiple layers to be able to provide enough protection so that you can stop or thwart an attacker or an, an insider threat. Um, so there are things like um, encryption, uh, multiple layers of encryption. Um, you want to track what users are doing, right? So you want to identify behaviors, um, so that you can detect uh, anomalies or anomalous patterns, um, you know, like when someone is maybe uh, trying to uh, steal data, uh, or uh, from like a ransomware attack, right? You would you, that would be an anomalous behavior uh, to detect as well. Uh, and then there's uh, the reporting aspect, and so this ties directly into compliance. And uh, you know, you have these security uh, controls and measures that are implemented within a system. Uh, but then you also have to be able to show and prove that those controls and measures uh, are in place and remain in place over a period of time. And, and all of these stack together and layer together to really solve the problem. But, uh, you know, some of the things that you mentioned are already available from other products. Uh, I think, for example, cyber uh, uh, I think, for example, about uh, ransomware attacks, okay, M many, many uh, data protection tools now, they provide similar tools. Uh, what's the difference in the approach and why uh, having it embedded in the storage system is better from your point of view at least? So, yeah, when you think about ransomware, I, I think a, a lot of people view it um, from the, the remediation uh, perspective, right? So after it occurs... Uh, and, and that that you know that most certainly is the way that almost everybody is addressing it today. And I think a lot of backup companies um, leverage this approach because it's true. When you get hit with ransomware, you 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 really don't, you don't want to pay the ransom. You just want to recover your data, and and certainly a backup helps. Um, but there are challenges with that uh, as well. And and ideally, what you'd want to do is prevent that attack from happening. Um, at a full scale. So you, you would want to stop it as soon as possible. So you want to get it uh, on the beginning or you want to be able to detect it early on. Uh, and so there, there, I think there are products and approaches um, that, that can help remediate that today. Uh, but ideally, what you want to do is be ahead of it uh, as soon as possible. And, and that's, that's really where integrating some of these capabilities um, you know, into the data system and, and, and catching and then also layering them on top of each other um, is really the, the ultimate answer to solving this problem most effectively. So you're saying, uh, and I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, you can do it in real time, okay, with the, within, the story, within the storage system. So you can analyze the behavior of the user or uh, of the application or, you know, something is not... Uh, uh, usual, okay, and uh, on the other hand, you have the data protection that yes, can do almost the same, but actually it's delayed in time, and you can uh, you can remediate to something that uh, is already happened, right? So from from this point of view, is a question of uptime at the end of the day, and um, you know, money that you save 
by giving a better uptime for your systems. Absolutely, absolutely, and and there's also the uh, the 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 delay in terms of uh, recovery. Let's say that, and we all know that uh, you know within the data center or within an enterprise, backups do not get the attention they probably should. They they are secondary budget. Um, some and then also people don't always remember to take backups as as data uh, progresses through its life cycle. You may have missed some new data that was created. And all of these gaps create uh, uh, additional risk and exposure, so that um, when when it does come time to remediate, it's it's not even ideal, and there's an additional risk there uh, as well. But uh, what kind of uh, enterprises uh, are uh, uh, now really focused on this kind of uh, uh, problematics? I mean, you, you mentioned uh, that you work it in a you know large. Uh, intelligence and uh, uh, U.S. Department of uh, Defense, and you have this kind of experiences. So this is very, very large organization with, uh, you know, security as they're one of the first things that they, they look at. But uh, do you see an adoption also from traditional enterprises? Absolutely. Uh, you know, governments are always very concerned about security um, and in in a sense, um, you know, sort of have led the charge, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of, um, you know, relying on uh, the importance of data security within their their, their systems. Um, so it's always important there. But um, the commercial enterprise is definitely catching up now, or at least is starting to understand uh, or realize that the that this is a very important uh, problem that has to be solved. Um, I think more so even in the last 12 months, the, the shift from, um, you know, looking at security from just a network problem uh, to being more of an infrastructure problem uh, is starting to occur. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm really starting to see it, of course, in large enterprises first, uh, but even some of the midsize enterprises now um, are starting to pay attention. I think it's inevitable. Um, you know, every day you, you read bad news about something. Um, about some uh, either government organization or, or municipality or um, or enterprise whose data was compromised or stolen or been hit with ransomware. Uh, and so it's not it's not going to stop. It's just going to continue to get worse. And, and I think that um, that the market is evolving uh, and will continue to evolve at a more rapid pace in the future. Well, i totally understand it, but uh, but again, if you have uh, the resources of a you know a large government organization, uh, I'm okay with it. But how do you deal with the complexity of this kind of problematics in a in a medium sized enterprise? So how how complex is to operate this kind of system, for example? Yeah. So if you were to go ahead and traditionally solve this problem, it is very complex. Uh, um, And I'll touch on uh, compliance really briefly because it's the same sort of problem that highly regulated industries faced uh, a decade ago or more. And uh, so basically, these larger organizations, governments, large enterprises have teams of people to address these problems. Uh, So you have a lot of resources um, that that makes it possible to deal with the challenges, um, but not very efficient. It's still very complex to deal with these uh, integrating individual software components together, software packages together, and there are gaps. Every single one of those programs creates gaps uh, because they're not they're not meant to be integrated together. 
uh, and, and it's very resource intensive, but that's the way that, that large enterprises have been doing it. Um, and so by integrating these technologies together, you solve a lot of those problems. You make it very easy. They're integrated. So you take away the gaps and the complexities, um, and then, um, they're easier to manage. And that's one of the things that we focused on at Racktop is by combining these components together, um, we're able to not only address the fundamental security issues that we're trying to solve, but we're also able to do it in a very user-friendly manner, which addresses some of those concerns around the mid-level enterprise who don't have the large amount of resources that larger uh, enterprises or governments do have. And uh, how do you uh, solve another problem? I mean, uh, if you look at security uh, in your organization, you have different layers, different tools to manage it. And, uh, of course, uh, it, it becomes more and more complicated to keep track of uh, all the things that are happening. So how you integrate data storage security with Nectar security, with application security, with perimeter security, and whatever else you have uh, at the security level? So uh, within a typical uh, large enterprise or enterprise in general, you, you'll have... Um, uh, incident and event monitoring and management systems. Um, and you might have security operation centers. Uh, and usually these tools aggregate data and allow you to take action on them. Uh, and so uh, from our perspective, uh, by, uh, you know, our, in particular, we're, we're pulling some of the capabilities um, that would typically be seen on the network or on the endpoint from a security perspective. So security and compliance features uh, that you would have in third-party products. We've pulled those directly into the data storage system with what we're doing. Uh, and and then um, we, we integrate through uh, a set of open APIs uh, with those third-party incident management systems so that uh, people um, or even uh, automated scripts that other people may write to aggregate information from multiple sources uh, can automate certain actions within our system. Uh, and we can take part in that whole ecosystem. Um, and so that's the typical approach today, how it would be solved. Um, there's intelligence in what we're doing, uh, in, in, in the data system. And then there's intelligence in other parts of the network and, and, and really pulling that all together. Um, and, uh, uh, really is what completes that, that ecosystem that enables you to, uh, uh, you know, to potentially stop attacks, not only on the data side, but then also on the front end and the network side, um, as well. And you mentioned many times a multiple level of encryption. So I think you, um, you're you talking about uh, the way you're storing data in the system. But actually, you know, we, we have uh, we're talking about the persistent devices. And uh, uh, it's really, really important to know all the process that goes in the in the, in the data path, but also if I want to decommission drives, for example, or I want to change something in my, in my organization, oh, sorry, in my system, uh, I, need, I need to understand what is happening. So how do you manage all these things in, in, uh, in your system? So, um, so encryption is very is very interesting problem um, to solve correctly. Um, so how we solve it is we do it at multiple layers. And, and uh, 
you know, with the power of computers today, uh, existing encryption algorithms, uh, it's, it's, um, very probable and very possible, um, that they, that they're going to be broken in the future, uh, as computing process, uh, co- compute processing, uh, power continues to increase, right? So what you do is you, uh, just like with security is done in, in layers, you can implement encryption in layers. Uh, and by doing that, you increase the strength of the data, uh, that you encrypt. So, uh, we particularly, we, we could encrypt it at two different layers, um, so that you would have two different layers of encryption uh, over your data. Uh, but on top of that, it, there's, a, there's a maintenance aspect to that um, and sort of a, a hygiene aspect to encryption. Um, so if I were to encrypt data um, with a key, that key is like a password, right? And so as we all know, as users, we change our passwords because if someone knows the password, they can steal your account. Well, the same goes with encryption keys. You have to rotate your keys, you have to change your keys or else... Um, the possibility of, of breaking that key or obtaining that key is possible, and then you, you lose the benefit of the encryption. And so a lot of more stringent enterprises or organizations that have, um, they have strict policies around key rotation and automatic key rotation uh, so that it, it makes it even more difficult for somebody to uh, break the key, uh, to obtain the key or break the encryption um, so that they can get at that data. And that, that is one of the unique things that our system does is that it, um, we can auto-rotate uh, keys on a regular basis. Uh, this all happens by the system itself, and then uh, it's all reported for compliance purposes so that uh, you can prove to somebody uh, that you've done this and, uh, and, and you've done it on a regular basis and that you're meeting those requirements around not only having encryption, but uh, having encryption that is implemented uh, in the proper way. Well, but uh, this is, uh, you know, um, you rotate the keys, I'm okay, but uh, I'm missing something here. It, it means a lot of uh, the CPU power involved and, and I/O on the, on the system in the backend, right? No. So this is where, um, this is where the way it's implemented is, is unique in that um, we're using uh, techniques that allow us to rekey um, systems rapidly without having any impact um, to the data itself. So um, it uses uh, a technique using um, wrapping keys and um, encryption keys um, or key encryption keys that allow you to um, encrypt the data, change the keys without actually having to um, go back and re-encrypt all the data that's already there. Okay. It looks like the Inception, the movie. I I mean... uh... (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, the key of the key and okay but okay okay uh, i'll uh, i'll uh, take it for granted from <laughs> and uh, what uh, uh, what is about then uh, you know uh, the complexity of large systems i, I mean uh, you know you're a startup okay and uh, even if you have the best technology of the world actually you are a small one you can't reach uh, every every location of the world in uh, now and uh, this large organization most of them have plenty of installation on um, talking uh, i'm talking about you know they have emc netap mm-hmm. hds whatever in their data center and these data centers are huge i can't think that they will you know change everything they have and uh, put their wrecked up uh, system tomorrow, uh, you know, replacing everything. So how can you 
start uh, this process of, uh, you know, uh, making your storage system more secure? So uh, I certainly would hope that they would all replace their systems, but I also know that probably won't happen. Um, but, uh, but so we, we uh, invented a technology called uh, transparent data movement. Um, and what that, what that allows us to do is leverage all the security and compliance capabilities that we have embedded within our system um, with data that's not necessarily stored on our own disks. So um, you can sort of think about it as like a combination of a, of a, a hierarchical storage management uh, gateway uh, that is able to um, uh, transparently move data um, between our system, meaning the Racktop system, um, into uh, S3 or other NFS stores uh, using those protocols and transparently move that data. Uh, so uh, we essentially have all the metadata represented within our system so that uh, it, you know, the, the, the files look like they're there, so they look like they're on uh, our system, on our NAS, uh, all the access controls are there, um, and then all the security benefits that we bring to the table um, can automatically uh, be obtained by the enterprise, right? They can see all, all those user behaviors start to get recorded, uh, all of the reports and the compliance and the exposure and everything that we, we offer is there because the our system and the end user all believe that the data is actually there, um, even though the data is being managed on a third-party machine. And so that that is a, um, a logical um, way for us to uh, get into an environment or work with the customers so that they can um, get the benefits of what we bring to the table, uh, even if they're still depreciating uh, existing storage assets. Do you provide the same identical uh, set of features, uh, even if you are not uh, working with your uh, system? I mean, for example, the multi-layer uh, encryption. Um, some of the encryption capability, because the data is not stored on on the disks we're managing, um, they wouldn't have that layer of encryption. Um, but we still encrypt data at the data level. Um, and um, most of the other capabilities uh, are also available. Um, there, there are some limitations um, that are around the remote storage systems. Um, you know, and, and certainly um, when you're talking about like S3 and data in the cloud, there's obviously, um, there could be some uh, latency concerns around that. We do cache data and, and optimize yeah, uh, we, IO patterns. Yes, but we can't beat the uh, laws of physics. I mean, exactly. You can't, you can't, you can't beat physics. Um, but, uh, but we do have some technology uh, that enables us to um, cache data for what we call hot files. And, uh, and that would eliminate uh, or reduce IO, IO charges as well uh, in certain cases. So there's some things that we do to try and uh, bend physics, but, you know, we can't break it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, fantastic. And um, so one thing that I really loved and, uh, from our previous conversation was the concept of zero trust. I'm not a security guy. So for me, it was... Not really new, but actually, when when you describe it, uh, adding the storage layer on top of it uh, was really interesting. So, uh, why don't you um, repeat the concept of zero trust and how it uh, helps to understand better why uh, a secure data storage layer is important today? Sure. Well, you know, zero trust in the security 
world seems to be the hottest, you know, buzzword right now. And I think it's um, everybody's talking about zero trust, but the, the reality is right now, zero trust is very much a, a, a fantasy. It's a, it's a concept. Um, and I think it'll be a while before the industry gets there. But um, to me, well, b- before you go on so yeah. zero trust, uh, ju- just for, um, for our listeners is just that usually when uh, uh, we, We give for granted that if you are already in the enterprise network, okay, you should be there, okay? While with zero trust, you never trust anybody. Right. Right. Okay. And this is a concept that, as you said, it's really, really far from happening in the, in the reality. Exactly. Because we, we've all been trained or we've all sort of... Uh, come up through the years in the industry of thinking about the enterprise as a safe, a safe place. It's inside the firewall. Um, and so it's really a way of thinking, right? It's, uh, uh, so to me, zero trust is not so much about a thing. Um, but it's, it's a, uh, a way of thinking about your infrastructure, your architecture, uh, from a security perspective, um, and, and thinking about it, um, so that instead of that, that implicit trust, where uh, you're expecting everyone to be uh, a good neighbor within your infrastructure uh, and everyone to be trusted and everybody to be there uh, who's supposed to be there, um, you change that way of thinking. And, and I, this is even prevalent within the cloud, if you think about it, uh, right? So if you have systems in the cloud, they're all essentially on the internet. I mean, so uh, it, it's a very important concept when you're dealing with, um, that's even less protected than, than your own uh, private infrastructure. So um, you, you have to, sort of change the way you think. So to me, zero trust is about first and foremost, at least today, uh, it's about changing the way you think about solving problems from a security first perspective. Um, which means that, you know, when it comes to data storage, you, you have to change the way you think about it, right? You can't, you can't think about it as being in that trusted data center anymore. You have to look at it, um, and say, what protections can I layer on to the data, um, so that I can achieve this goal? And, uh, and that's really the approach that we take about it. And it's, and it's that data owner's perspective. It's that data's perspective uh, versus the, the admin perspective or the, the outside user's perspective uh, of looking at things. And, and I think it'll be a while before, before we get there as an industry. Uh, I think that um, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of awareness around it now. Um, and, uh, and as products continue to evolve, Um, you know, we'll actually be able to, uh, to achieve a stronger security posture uh, by thinking about things this way. And, and for us, um, because we have embedded these security and compliance capabilities directly into the storage system, um, you know, we can play in that, that architecture. We can take part in that zero trust world um, already because we've already sort of taken this approach to, to dealing with data in that Um, we have these controls in place because we don't expect everybody to, to belong there. Uh, and, and, and we want to sort of, um, you know, be in a place where uh, the data is protected uh, as best as it possibly can be uh, right where it's living. Yeah, as, as you said, this is a very interesting concept and, and it actually very, very far from, uh, you know, happening in reality in most of the organization that we know today. But, but again, um, I think that uh, it is worth a try with all the security concerns that there are now. 
Thank you very much for uh, uh, your time today. This conversation was very, very helpful to understand a little bit better data security in uh, in the storage world. But uh, uh, I would like to wrap up this episode with uh, uh, the Twitter handles of uh, your company and yours if you are on uh, on the Twitters. So if somebody wants to uh, continue the conversation online, they they can contact you directly. Sure. So you can find us uh, online at uh, www.racktopsystems.com. Um, and I'd love to continue the conversation on Twitter. Racktop's Twitter handle is at Racktop, R-A-C-K-T-O-P. Or my personal Twitter handle is at Eric Bednash, E-R-I-C-B-E-D-N-A-S-H. Wonderful. Thank you very much and bye-bye. Enrico, it was a pleasure. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Data Storage, please check out the other ones. Unstructured data management is the focus of a report Enrico wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about how data storage is evolving in the cloud era, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.